It's time for Eastern Conference Wednesday on Locked On NHL. Today, we are going to discuss the top remaining free agents, a rumor of a monster contract extension for Buffalo Sabres star defenseman Rasmus Dahlin, and most importantly, as we enter the month towards the regular season, who does the Eastern Conference run through to get to the Stanley Cup playoffs? That's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your team every day. You're Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode on Wednesday, September 6th of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Mike DiStefano, taking you through the top storylines in the Eastern Conference every Wednesday on the Locked On NHL podcast. You can find me over at Locked On Senators, Mike DiStefano over at Locked On Toronto Maple Leafs. We have local podcasts on every National Hockey League team, so go check out your favorite team, Today, as your second listen, we want to shout out the everydayers out there as well as Bird Dogs because today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL. Use promo code locked on NHL to get a free water bottle with any purchase. Mikey, I'm excited to get the water bottle. Compliment my hat just nicely. It will. It'll look real good. We can sit there with the hats and water bottles. I think I got my hat right over my shoulder right there. You can see the, the white yep. hat sitting there. So I got the white hat rolling. It's a nice hat, so I'm hoping the water bottles come in, and they're, they'll be pretty sweet as well. Fill it with what you wish. Our friends over at Bird Dogs, beauties, great local sponsors of everyone. So go check them out, birddogs.com. All right, Mikey, are you one of those guys who's getting fired up when rookies report rookie tournaments, or are you waiting for the real thing in a month from now? No, I'm, I'm because I'm a draft junkie, I do love to see the rookie tournaments. Like the rookie showcase was going on yesterday in, in Washington. And, you know, I saw a couple of clips. I saw some some quotes that were, you know, being thrown around. And, you know, it kind of did get me back into it. And I think after Labor Day, that's really when the hockey season, you start to really feel like, okay, we're close. We're super close. It's it's the unofficial launch to, uh, you know, post-summer. And that means hockey's right around the corner. So I'm I'm getting pretty antsy. And within the next couple of weeks, hopefully we can uh, we'll have some actual games to talk about. Even if it's preseason, we'll have some actual hockey to to discuss. Once the nights start getting chilly in our part of the world, both of us up here in Canada, it, it's hockey season in the air, and that's what we're excited about. With a lot of hope for most Canadian teams, I would say, especially the two that we cover in the Eastern Conference, Montreal would admittedly be more excited about their prospect tournaments and. They're in the same one as Ottawa. I think Toronto goes to a different one, though. They're out in Traverse City, I believe, aren't they? Or, or with the Detroit Red Wings. I know yeah. Ottawa's going to be in Buffalo with Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Montreal, and I believe the Sabres are there, but Ottawa and Buffalo don't actually play. So you don't play all, all your opponents. Just um, three three games that, uh, that they're going to get. Wait, no, that's wrong. As I got it pulled up right here. Quickly. No, I am right. They don't play Buffalo in Buffalo for the rookie tournament. How weird is that? That is kind of strange. That is a, a, a little strange, I suppose. I know the Leafs, um, I think St. Louis is involved, Detroit. Um, potentially Columbus might be involved in, in their rookie tournament too, which would be very interesting um, considering who. Goals, hey? 
Yeah, considering who's the bench boss now over in Columbus. So should be interesting. Oh, do you think he's going to have any, uh, you know, sneak, sneaky surveys throughout uh, prospect camp? I don't think so. I think he probably hopefully learned his lesson uh, the first time around. He says he has. So I'm assuming that Babs has put the put the listicles away and leaves that for guys like you and I. Oh, my goodness. I need to find this. Sorry. I wish I could find it quicker. Everyone, bear with me. Bear with me. Important question for Mike DiStefano. Plus 3,500 at FanDuel, Mike Babcock, Jack Adams. I think that's good value. If they are even competitive. It's not terrible value. I will say that. It's, wow. it's, it's not terrible. It's not a terrible bet. And I'll tell you why. Because it doesn't go to the best coach. It goes to the coach for the team that exceeds – and I don't – I mean, I think I'm more of a fan of that Columbus Blue Jackets roster than most people are, which means they can make the playoffs. I really think that they're one of those teams that could surprise and make it along with, you know, the Buffaloes, the Ottawas of the world. I think they could get themselves into that conversation. If that happens, you go from basically worst to first like that. Uh, it's possible that Mike Babcock could garner some interest there unless he's hated – by the voters that could be the only thing to deter that happening that said isn't the jack adams given out by broadcasters i believe like the play-by-play guys i i feel like i've heard bonesy talk about that before yeah i think that let me let me see here who votes for the jack adams yeah the broadcasters association a lot more uh lenient than let's say the uh the people who designed the heart trophy where uh, Seth Rohrabog from uh, Pittsburgh didn't have Connor McDavid in his top five. Yeah, I, I think every year that guy's that guy gets attacked for his votes. But uh, yeah, we'll see, man. That should be interesting. Babs back behind an NHL bench. So plus thirty five hundred. There's three coaches with those odds. FanDuel, Mike Babcock, Rick Bonus, Ryan Huska. I tell you, out of those three, Mike Babcock's the surefire, the surefire go to. Probably, probably. Although Ryan Huska, if they can get Calgary back on track there, he can get Huberto yeah. playing like a, an MVP candidate again. You know, Jacob Markstrom comes back around. They, they've got a shot too to be a playoff team and perhaps he could get some love. Yeah, well, for Mike Babcock, I mean, number one, and now it's turning into a Columbus Blue Jackets segment. I can promise you the East does not run through Columbus. However, <laughs> they need Zach Wierenski at 100% health and 100% efficiency after missing all last year, right? He's got to be back and playing number one defense and 80 points or more, like top, top, like basically what Josh Morrissey did in Winnipeg last year to keep them afloat for most of the season before their nosedive. But let's get to it, Mike. Actually, let's quickly wrap up our UFAs of interest. Then we'll do the entire second segment on who the East runs through. Like it's Thomas Tatar, right? Thomas Tatar, where, where is he going to end up here? after putting up a plus 40 rating and decent numbers last year in New Jersey. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that he's still out there on the open market. He's a name who I think certainly is going to garner some interest, uh, you know, in the late stages here, probably as a PTO, if nobody does give him a guaranteed deal. I'm not even sure what that number would would look like, I suppose. Um, But Thomas Tatar certainly deserves to be an NHLer. I mean, he's still a a pretty good player. You, You scored 20 goals you you certainly deserve to be on a roster at 32 years old so i think he'll find uh, a, a home somewhere where that is i couldn't even 
garner a guess as to where it might be. There's a lot of teams that could probably use a Thomas Tatar lower in their lineup, um, but he certainly is an NHLer, and I'd imagine we'll find himself on a team before puck drop. You think he has to take a PTO, or will he get a straight-up guaranteed contract? You know what, though? PTOs I don't think are as harsh as they once were. Like, do you remember when Mike Hoffman did his PTO in St. Louis, and it was like, basically a wink wink nudge nudge hey we can't sign you yet because of cap related reasons but once we get through um you know the start of the season we put guys on ir and then we can do some cap gymnastics and then we sign you afterward on your pto and end up signing for like four million bucks or something like that off his pto you could have a similar circumstance with thomas sitar where it's like hey we're kind of up against the cap wise but we got some things that we're going to do so just come on a PTO, but there is like a 2.5, maybe million dollar uh, one year deal for you at the end of it. If things go as planned, I, I think that could be the case for a guy like him. You know, Josh Bailey is another name I think is in a similar realm where it's somewhat surprising that he hasn't found uh, a spot yet somewhere as a depth player for a team in the NHL. So there's a couple of guys that I think are in that, uh, in that same realm where, they may have to settle for for a wink, wink, nudge, nudge PTO deal type of thing. Yeah, we weren't um, we were familiar with that last year. With Derek Broussard, did the same thing. It was like, hey, yeah. get camp healthy, you'll make the team. We'll give you your money, and and we'll go from there. So, let us know in the comments who you think the most important or valuable piece that's still unsigned could be this season. I know RFA. It's still, we talked about that last week, right, Mikey? And there hasn't been anybody signed since Lafreniere agreed to terms. And it's like, no. Anaheim has the cap space. I guess they're just playing hardball in negotiations here with Pat Verbeek. And uh, we'll save that for Locked On Anaheim Ducks, Locked On Western Conference. But, like, out of all the RFAs, rather, who are left, like, they have Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale. Those are two of your top players uh, unavailable for day one of camp if it does make it that far. Training camps open across the National Hockey League. In 14 days, rookie tournaments one week from today, give or take, depending on which tournament your team is going into. Time for the top dogs. Who does the East run through? We'll discuss that next and then get into the rumor mill. You're listening to the Eastern Conference edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Today's episode of Locked On NHL is brought to you by bird dogs. You know how much we love our friends over at bird dogs. The entire episode is brought to you by bird dogs. Now, when you're wearing your bird dogs, you need to understand that comfort reigns supreme. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. Bird dogs are way better than regular shorts for this reason. Comfort, more room, if you know what I mean. You don't want stiff, restricting cotton. You want a stretchy fabric that makes you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also has anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. You say that five times fast. That keeps you cool and dry all day long. So they're functional for any occasion, but comfort, comfort that you deserve. So show yourself wearing Bird Dogs on camera like this. I love Bird Dogs. You know I'm always wearing my Bird Dogs hat. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL. And when you go there, use our promo code locked on NHL at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. 
Welcome back to the Wednesday, September 6th edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. That's Mike DiStefano. And you can find us five days a week on the Locked On Senators and Locked On Maple Leafs podcast. Yes, it is a Battle of Ontario edition, as it is every Wednesday where we cover the Eastern Conference top to bottom. It's your first listen of the day. Thank you, all you everydayers out there, for joining us on the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have local experts on the biggest stories. And Mikey, the lead story of every top show is who's the top dog going into the season. Who does the East run through for you? You know, for me, I I, I think this is the year that the Devils can make some noise. I, I do have the Devils as my squad this year to take that leap from being, you know, great regular season team like they were last year and then kind of flamed out in the playoffs. But I think they take that step and they get it done. They're just an incredibly talented team. You look at the depth on that roster, it's it's incredible. And they added to it this year. Uh, they brought in Tyler Toffoli, who could round out that top six. Timo Meyer is going to have a full offseason to try and acclimate himself into this lineup. Dustin Mercer's a year older. You got Jesper Bratt, who's another year older. Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, obviously, coming into their own last season, hoping to take another jump this year. Andre Palat's on the third line. They brought in Eric Halla, Curtis Lazar. You look at the blue line, Jonas Siegenthaler is a very underrated defenseman, but they got Luke Hughes coming in from Michigan last year. He'll be there for the full season. I think he's going to be an incredible player. He might win or at least be one of the front runners at this point for Rookie of the Year in the Calder voting. Maybe take a look over on FanDuel and see what those odds are. Um, the only question mark, I suppose you could say, is in goal uh, when it comes to this squad. But, I mean, we just saw Aiden Hill take a team to a championship, right? So it's possible that we could see Vitek Vanacek or uh, who's that goaltender last year in the playoffs who came in and played for them and did did decent? Akira Schmid. Remember Akira Schmid came in, played some good games for them in the playoffs? Perhaps he takes a, a step and, you know, they could be a, a very good complementary 1A, 1B duo for this team and, and kind of get it done. I, I like what I'm seeing over in, uh, over in New Jersey. I think the East runs through the Devils. Yeah, I think that's a fair and popular opinion. Jack Hughes, after a 99-point season, he's poised to just take off the best contract in the NHL right now that uh, has so much time left at only $8 million per season. And now he's got a running mate for the next number of years, too, after Timo Meyer signed his monster contract um, that expires in eight seasons. Jack Hughes with seven left on his And Brat. Brat signed a, a you know nice, comfortable deal, too. Yeah, yeah, they look good. They look good. I do think they missed out getting a goalie this summer. I don't know what the market was like. Obviously, it wasn't strong enough that Winnipeg felt it was even worth trading Honor Hellebuck, who seemed all but assuredly going to be on the move. Buffalo, New Jersey were the main rumored destinations. But uh, I, I do wonder about that, especially, yeah, they've got a super talented decor. But they've also got a ton of young guys in there or inexperienced guys like Kevin Ball, I think, could be, you know, a solid. I got to see him play a bit in Ottawa. Huge Big dude. defensive Big dude. But it's like, don't don't you think that it would be nice for for the Luke Hughes of the world and uh, and Kevin Ball to a lesser extent and soon uh, Seaman Nemich, who had a great first year in the AHL. I'd say he probably starts there unless he blows the door off in uh, training camp because they can afford to be patient. But I do think, like, you want to have a veteran goalie back there who's going to give these kids confidence to make mistakes and know that if they try something offensively, a Luke Hughes, like let them be creative knowing that there's that backstop back there. So I, I appreciate the pick. 
and one of our two teams is likely going to be out in the first round. If they like, I think there's a, a fair possibility, unless they finish one two in the division, that this is again a first round matchup. And it was last year. It's the Rangers is my team, and I know you've got your pom poms hiding back there somewhere. You and I have been big fans of of the way that this team's been built for a number of years. And if it weren't for stalled development from their top picks of of Lafreniere and Kako, like if those guys had developed like other top picks or drafted around them either year. Like you're you're looking at a team that that should and could have would have been a dynasty. Like like it's it's not that far fetched to say. Like if uh, if if they're able to get the same goaltending that they've gotten from Igor Shosturkin and you know the presence of of their top guys, I I love the Rangers again this year. And just looking at the the additions they made, like Blake Wheeler was a a brutal player at eight million dollars. Him making league minimum is a joke. Like he's gonna put, he's gonna put up six, fifty points. I think is a fair like low end for what Blake Wheeler is going to do. I I could see him have like 12 goals, 45 assists. And he's just dishing down low on the power play net front guy. Like that's a sick joke that they have a league minimum. I I almost forgot about that signing. And I was looking at, I'm just kind of going through and trying to remind myself, okay, where did these people land in the off season? And one of those names that I forgot about was Blake Wheeler going to the Rangers at such a cheap deal. You're right. That is one of the biggest sweetheart contracts that was signed this past summer. Nick Benito as your fourth line center is also pretty solid. He's a guy who's won a championship before and knows what it takes to win. And I think they picked up Tyler Pitlick as well. Eric Gustafson, you know, can be an, a guy who can produce from the back end. And obviously Igor Shesterkin is a half decent goaltender. I believe in my opinion, Ross, in my oh. opinion, He's half decent. He's okay. He's okay. And I like that they went out and got a veteran. Not that, not that you really want Jonathan quick. Yeah, get quick. Not as many games as maybe he once could. There was a reason why things worked out the way it did at the trade deadline. And it was basically a free insurance policy for Vegas at the end of the day to bring him in. But um, I think that the mentorship and what he can help Igor off the ice, kind of like, you know, Lundqvist before him. And, uh, you know, they've had a few more inexperienced backups over the last couple of years in uh, in New York. But all to say, if Igor is playing 60 plus games, you're in a good spot no matter what. So I like them and I'm curious to see how the coaching change and, and bringing in, you know, a, a stricter head coach and Peter Laviolette, maybe not stricter. That's probably the not the word because Gerard Gallant, you know, has has his reputation of being a hard-nosed coach and maybe a little harder on the younger guys. So that's actually, you know what, how an old-school coach like like Peter Laviolette's going to handle the Lafreniere's and Kakos of the world and, and to a lesser extent, Philip Hedel, who's still a good player. But, uh, yeah, really curious to see how things are going to shake out in, in New York. Like their decor, we haven't even talked about their decor, which is is ridiculous. Adam Fox, perennial Norris trophy winner, and Keandre Miller, one of the best young up-and-coming defensemen in the National yeah. Hockey League. Uh, Truba, everyone could say he's overpaid, but he certainly is an impactful player on the game. And if Schneider's learning from him, look out uh, to pass the torch eventually. Same like, you know, rugged throwback style defenseman, but who can move the puck. And hey, who would have thought, you mentioned like I'm based in Winnipeg. Like if you had told anyone in this city that Jacob Truba would be Blake Wheeler's captain one day, they would have laughed you out of the room uh, when Truba was (laughs) 21, 22 coming up. So yeah, kind of funny how that all went full circle. Absolutely. It's a good squad, man. It's a good squad. The East is tough this year. Like I, I, I mean, I think if you were to look at the top 10 in the NHL in terms of cup contenders, a large majority of them definitely are going to be in the Eastern conference this year. So it's going to be tough. 
really, really tough to win in the East. But it's going to be an exciting ride, and we hope that you join us through all that. Let us know in the comments as well who's your front runner in the Eastern Conference. Who does the East run through this year? And we'll be here every step of the way. So make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and down below on YouTube. We really appreciate all the support uh, and growing Locked On NHL to what it can be. Like the individual shows do great. Love what you guys are doing over at Locked On Maple Leafs. We really do have a passionate bunch of, of hosts. And now it's time to get the national show, the NHL home base show to the level that it needs to be. And that's the plan here. Unlocked on NHL. So tomorrow is Power Rankings Thursday. We've got all sorts of around the league coverage on Friday, which includes Mikey, the PWHL. I saw your Toronto squad inked their first three players. Same yep. as Ottawa. And man, I'm excited for Erica Lindsay Ayala's coverage of Locked on NHL women's hockey and all the great work Rachel Donner does. And we're definitely going to cover the Ottawa team on our show. So that's an exciting new development. Like it's like fantasy draft in real life, Mikey. Nobody has, nobody has a team. Like, nobody. I, know. I know it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Uh, it. It took a while for those signings to come through though. I was expecting, cause they were able to sign everybody on September 1st. Yeah. And it wasn't until like, like yesterday, Ottawa announced their teams. And then today you're kind of seeing the rest of the, the, the teams announced the three players that they've selected. So it took like almost a week for them to announce all this stuff. But now, you know, the ball's rolling. In a couple of days, it'll be the draft. I'm intrigued in the PWHL. So hopefully everyone else is. And yeah, I'm sure, uh, you know, we'll be all over it on Fridays here on the Locked On NHL podcast. Uh, we actually broke the Emily Clark signing in, in the kind of backhanded way that we do on Locked On Senators at Send Central on Twitter. I, uh, well, whatever. It's not like it's a secret or anything. She's just signing. Um, her, Basically, her cousin's best friend I went to school with. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm pretty sure Emily's going to Ottawa. <laughs> like, perfect. You. So I said, uh, you. I said it would be really cool if Emily Clark signs with PWHL Ottawa. So, of course, had some fun with it when it's announced three days later. And uh, I said, please credit at Sen Central. But all jokes aside, we're just happy that this league is, is all together. And it's going to be, hey, you want to find the best players in the world? The best women hockey player? Put them in one spot. And now the next question is who's going to broadcast them. We need a comprehensive broadcasting structure. I have one more question about the PWHL. Then we're going to discuss some of the rumor mill in the Eastern Conference. Next, you're watching the Locked On NHL podcast. Welcome back to Locked On NHL, your team every day right here on the Locked On podcast network mike DeStefano, alongside myself ross levitan here taking you through the highs lows and everything else in the eastern conference and the pwhl which i want to quickly continue that conversation and i understand both sides of it i want to start with that but mike seems like at least for the first year salaries are not going to be made public and look i get that the privacy all these things maybe they're not where they want them to be and for negotiating in the future whatever the case may be but I think it's a missed opportunity because, Mike, how much conversation, including what we're going to get to with Rasmus Dahlin, in terms of NHL discourse, is around guys who are underpaid, overpaid, valued, and and the the strategy behind making money work in a league that has a salary cap. Yeah, I just don't know because I think the minimum salaries is thirty thousand, and the maximum salaries is eighty thousand. So I don't know if there's enough of a discrepancy between the min and the max to really generate much conversation around it. So I don't know if I would, you know, 
I don't know if that really matters to me a whole lot. Um, I think it's it's interesting that they're deciding not to do it just because we know that these players are being paid in between that threshold. I think it'd be interesting to know who the top players, you know, how much they are getting paid, like who's getting the top 80 dowsings. I think it's what three players per team get 80 K. And I want to say, I saw Haley Salvian um, reported that Sarah nurse left money on the table when she signed in Toronto. So but like with that, with that, juicy bit of information wouldn't it be nice to have a comparable or like oh like how much did she leave on the table that yeah like i would like to know that i don't know if i would care about the overpaid and underpaid conversation but if you're hearing someone left money on the table to sign with this team it's like oh how how much did they leave it's kind of like the johnny goudreau situation where last year he left calgary and like gave up a lot of money left money on the table to leave calgary and that was the conversation not necessarily how much is he making in comparison to other players? But it's just interesting to kind of see, okay, if he would have stayed there, could have got that much money in this place, but he went to this other market. Sarah Nurse did the same thing. She wanted to stick around in Toronto. This is where she's from, and she wanted to be a part of that team. So apparently she left money on the table. We don't know how much, but apparently some has been left. And I'm curious what that means for you know the, the Toronto team. If they now have an, another spot, I suppose, to sign an $80,000 player, does that mean that they can get better players? I, I don't know. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how all that works. Transparency is good at the end of the day. So it is kind of weird that they're not opting to do that route, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, no, me neither. I just find the, the more discourse and conversation you can get with different avenues, maybe one day they decide to uh, to change the way that that comes out. But for now, signings will be private in terms of the terms coming out on the trades i can also tell you that the pwhl draft is coming up on september 18th but then the season isn't going to start until january so there is a bit of a a growing period i mean the the, everyone has to relocate everyone who's drafted for the most part unless you sign in your hometown you know so i think to get everything all together and have a strategic release but let's hope it's broadcasted properly because that'll go a long way to helping out just like the NHL broadcast deal has gone a long way to getting the salaries up to the next level. Like the star defenseman you're up at $10 million now in the national hockey league. And that's around where it sounds like rumors out of Buffalo that Rasmus Dahlin could be extending at eight years, $10.5 million per year. And like the, I, my immediate reaction is that's fair. Like he is such an elite level defenseman who's only getting better. Honestly, I, I it's not as egregious as some may it, it may sound to some people. I just really quickly want to check and see like who what defenseman is making that type of money. And I know you may look and say, Oh, Kel McCarr's only making nine million. How could you pay Darlene ten and a half? How can you justify that? Well, if you look at cap percentage, I'm sure you know when you look at this deal and how much it's increasing, it would be in that realm. But at the same time, you got guys like Seth Jones and, and Zach Barensky and, you know, these other players who are making nine and a half million dollars. And then when you look at that, OK, now you're comparing. Now we're doing the comparison with these players and the salaries. And Darlene certainly is worth a million more than, in my opinion, than Seth Jones. Um, I think 10.5, where the, the cap is going, makes a lot of sense. We're talking about a player last year who had 73 points with the Buffalo Sabres, um, had his real big breakout year, only 23 years old. He was eighth in Norris voting at just 22 years old last year. And currently, if you look on FanDuel, is the fourth betting favorite to win the Norris this season. So 
you know, he's a, a arguable top five defenseman in the National Hockey League, and I think he should be paid as such. And he's a guy who, you know, could become the next captain for this team for, for so many years. So I think Darlene certainly, uh, if he gets paid 10.5, well worth it. Yeah, and when you're the Buffalo Sabres, there's flexibility when your top two centers are locked in long-term for a combined 14.1 with Tage Thompson at 7.14 and Dylan Cousins at 7.1 for the next seven years. It's it's unreal, that flexibility that'll create. And then if you're also Buffalo, you're like, hey, we've already set the precedent with Darlene. We gave him a three-year times $6 million bridge deal. And Owen Power can't be coming out of here after next year on his entry-level contract being like, hey, I should be getting like not 10.5, but like jumping right up to seven or eight. Because you're like, no, Darlene had to go through the process. Maybe we bridge you and get you over there unless you want to take what we would consider to be a hometown deal. And we'll, we'll extend you for eight years at that point. So I think Buffalo's in a great spot with their flexibility right now. I agree. I, I like the way that they've been building this team for the last few years. And, and I'm of the belief that this is their year to finally make the playoffs. I know we may have a difference in opinion, but like I, I like Buffalo's chances more than I do Ottawa's chances when it comes to maybe that final wild card spot. They're doing some good things down, uh, down near my neck of the woods, just about 30 minutes away from where I, uh, where I grew up is uh you know the buffalo and old hsbc arena i know it's called now key bank center i think first niagara i don't know they change the name of that building literally every two years um but good things coming uh good things coming to the city of buffalo that's for sure yeah good things are coming but not this year buddy i don't think they're gonna do it until like get levi has experienced this year i love it but i've never seen so much confidence in a 21 year old goalie who had a small sample size, had some great games, but had a 905 save percentage. It's not like, like even if he had a 930, even if he was like, I don't want to No, he's 21 years old. You expect him to play 60 games next year. Like what, what is Sabres fans expecting from Devin Levi? I mean, a name that I'm going to throw out there. There's two names. One is Carter Hart, who was very good at a young age and had a small sample size and turned out to be, Pretty solid. I know his last few seasons obviously haven't turned out as much as you would think. And then the other name that I'll throw out there, who at 21 years old had some decent success and actually had a 905 save percentage when he was 21 years old, funny enough, is Carey Price. So he's not going to be Carey Price, obviously. I think that would be lofty expectations. But it does happen, man. Like these young goalies, they can come up and they can spark something and they can play some some really good hockey. So perhaps he's, uh, you know, the, the exception – uh, uh, like a couple of those other players were. Maybe. Now, I will say Carter Hart had only 31 games played as a 20-year-old, too. So when he was going into that 21-year-old season, he had a bit more experience. And uh, even that to say 31 games. And then in the year after, the year you're talking, is 21-year-old year, 43 games. Like, if he plays 43 games, even as, like, an above-average goalie puts up a 9.15 or better save percentage, like, they're going to need to get wins from someone else. So unless they're really believing in Eric Comrie and Uka Pekalukunen, that's that's their decision. Just like I said with New Jersey earlier in the show, I think whatever the price was for Connor Hellebuck would have been worth it if they were ready to open their window right now. Otherwise, hey. I think Devin Levi is going to be that guy. I just don't know if it's going to be as soon as everybody in Buffalo wants, which is right now. Because as it stands, Sabres have the longest playoff drought in the National Hockey League. Still a possibility to get that guy. 
right? Yep. Still a possibility to make some trades. They got till uh, March to to figure out their goaltending situation. So we'll see. We absolutely will. Fun show today, Mike. You really enjoyed that. We have four more shows until regular season NHL action. But as we said, prospects are already making their way to their respective cities, and they're going to get ready for the biggest week of the season in their eyes, making an impression in an NHL organization. We'll get to that next week and beyond. For now, we pass it over to Power Ranking Thursdays on the Locked On NHL podcast. For more from us, go listen like, subscribe to Locked On Senators, to Locked On Maple Leafs. For Mike DeStefano, I'm Ross Levitan. Shout out to Bird Dogs. This has been another episode of the Locked On NHL podcast, your team every day.